2: How's it going? Welcome to episode number 783 of Lockdown Raptors for Saturday, September the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHP.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean, and you can find the show at Lockdown Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. As always, make sure you're checking out all of the Lockdown Podcast Network offerings. If there's a team in the big four sports that you like, there's a very good chance we have a lockdown show covering it every single day, just the way I cover the Raptors here, except the other people hosting the shows are probably smarter than I am. So so, go and listen to those shows in addition to supporting this one. All right, on today's show, you know what it is. The Toronto Raptors' impassioned title defense came to an end on Friday night with a 92 87 loss to the Boston Celtics in Game 7 of their second round series they went down swinging they went down with very clearly just about nothing left in the tank in terms of gas and you know it's disappointing to sit here today lots of different turning points within that game that very well could have turned things the other way They did not, of course, and now the Toronto Raptors season comes to an end. The Boston Celtics moving on to take on the Miami Heat in a truly detestable Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and Celtics. Just no thank you, not for me whatsoever. Um, Joining me today to help break down what happened in the game last night, we're going to dive into Pascal Siakam in particular, who has been a topic of conversation all series long, but really in the aftermath of last night's game, uh, it's kind of come to the forefront and we'll also kind of contextualize this season, which... I think it's the overwhelming thing to take away from this game and the series is that, yes, it sucks that they lost, but oh my God, it was amazing. Either way, I tried to introduce the guest, and then it got sidetracked uh, because there's lots to talk about, lots on the brain. Uh, the guest today, of course, uh, I wouldn't want no one else to be here to break down and contextualize everything that we just saw from the Raptors over the course of this series and more than Big V, Vivek Jacob. How's it going, man? Not bad. Not bad. Thank you for that kind intro.
3: It's nice to be looking back on the season and the game with you as well. Uh, yeah, obviously Tough, tough way To go out, not the way you wanted to see The Raptors season end But, you know I, I, I think they just put in so much To get to a game seven And Ultimately, you know I, I, I just think all the Energy they expended to get it this far In the series, you saw The mistakes, I thought they were tired Mistakes, the turnovers, the bad decisions Um miscues defensively um, at certain times but overall i thought uh you know they, they were where they needed to be defensively i mean you hold the team to 92 points especially in today's game mm-hmm. that's going to give you a chance and the raptors certainly had a chance offensively just couldn't get anything kyle obviously he, he did what he could pretty much running on empty uh pascal another really really disappointing game offensively uh And yeah, OG wasn't quite there as well. And yeah, I I, I thought fatigue was definitely a factor. But credit the Celtics. You know, I I think I think uh, to me they were the better team. I think the Raptors sort of punched above their play in the series. If not, you know, I I don't want to say they pump punch above their weight because we know they're capable of playing better. But for the way they played, I think you know. it it was sort of their championship swagger and uh, their competitive spirit that brought it to a seventh game.
2: Yeah. They extended this series on nuts and nuts only. It seemed Uh, like it just, (laughs) it, it really, it was a struggle. Everything in this series was a struggle. I mean, and it was a struggle for Boston too. Yes. They had the two blowout wins, but uh, yeah, I think you made a good point in that, you know, the Raptors were definitely where they needed to be defensively. They hold the Celtics to 24% from three in game seven uh, and 40% from the field, but it really did come down to just ball security and not getting back quick enough in transition. And just, I think it must've been like a third of Boston's points came on the run and you know, you can have your half court. It's crazy you can have your half court defense be as stout as you want, but if you are just kicking the ball away or lazily sort of booting it off your foot or dropping it out of bounds or throwing careless passes to guys like Marcus smart, who just feasts on careless passes you're asking for trouble and they end up taking 11 fewer shots in this game than Boston. And that, you know, it's very simplistic, but that is very much the difference. Um, So, you know, where, where do you think Vivek, Things went wrong here. You know, there were lots of different reasons, you know, I think we've talked about them a little bit tertiary, you know, sort of on the surface here to begin with the turnovers and things like that. But was there anything tactically in this game that you think the Raptors could have done better to work towards a better outcome? Or was it just a matter of, you know, they they just were fried. They had no energy. And when you don't have energy, your focus and your sort of sharpness goes away. You know, is there anything from the game that you think they could have done better to potentially pull out a win uh yeah
3: i think when you look back on the second quarter i thought the the way they were rushing the offense after looking so good to you know i thought the turning point was when they're up 40 to 33 yeah and you're thinking okay maintain this build on this and carry that into halftime they've they won the third quarter in every game the series and so you're thinking if they can carry that cushion into the third, then, you know, do what they've done in the third all series. Now you've got uh, a lead to play with in the fourth, which I, you know, I, I once you could see the fatigue in the players, I thought they needed a lead to play with. And uh, so to throw away that opportunity to give up an 11-0 run right then and there uh, after going up 40 to 33, just some bad mistakes. Uh, you know, I know Siakam's taken a lot of criticism and he deserves it. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But I thought Fred Van Vliet made some atrocious decisions. Um, and especially, you know, I, I imagine there was some conversation about pushing the pace and trying to get up some early shot, like just try to get early offense going against the Celtics because once they set their defense, they're just so tough. But they were just unnecessary forces. And the worst part was these, like the turnovers were just leading to dunks for the Celtics on the other end. Right, um, and so I, I thought that second quarter was a turning point when when you when you're you know really starting to feel good about yourself, um, and you, uh, you let the Celtics get back into it and feel good about themselves, uh, and now they're going into halftime with the lead. I, I thought that's where the game turned for me. Uh, obviously, in a one possession game, uh, you know coming down to that last shot, there's so many different things that you can look back to, but I thought that's where you know the Raptors really kind of
2: blew it yeah I, I think you're totally right playing with the lead it, you know when they were up 40 33 it felt very comfortable and at that point I mean they had they were on like a pretty insane run over the course of the last the previous full quarter or so after falling down 19 7 early on they, they just really seemed like they had kind of hit cruise control almost and then yeah it just kind of got away from them they lost the rope a little bit on offense and I think I'm with you in that, you know, Pascal certainly shoulders the bulk of the blame for the offense kind of falling apart considering they couldn't get anything out of him, but Fred with like a couple of quick fire threes that didn't make a ton of sense. And, just sort of, you know, when you're up 40 to 33, you don't necessarily need to push it the, the way they seem to try to push it there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the first quarter seems like the time to try to do that if that's like the tone you're trying to set. But when you're up and it's a drag it out game and you're playing well and your half court offense is actually working when you get into your stuff and you're driving and kicking and you're working it, it just felt like, you know, a strange sort of shift in tenor that completely threw the raptors off and they could never really regain it because as the game gradually wore on they just kind of lost it and they their their fatigue very clearly set in and, and look this is the 2019 20 raptors so they were not going down without throwing some punches near the end and i felt pretty convinced when it is eighty was 89 87 that they were going to tie it up and then you get fred going down getting blocked by marcus smart sorry not fred norm going down getting blocked by marcus smart an incredible play by smart probably not the best decision by powell when It was like a one-on-three, and he very easily could have just sort of pulled it out and just sort of reset. Maybe they get a better look out of that. You come back down the other end. Kyle fouls out. That's obviously a huge blow because he is everything. And then you see it manifest itself, you know, not only at the final possession there when you have uh, Fred kind of dribbling... (laughs) Aimlessly for a while, and he kind of gets hemmed in the corner. Uh, Like, Kyle doesn't do that. Kyle makes a better decision out of that, almost certainly. And that's just who he is. And that's nothing against Fred. That's just he's not Kyle Lowry, and no one is Kyle Lowry. And so you, you lose Kyle there. You know, Tatum gets that enormous offensive rebound and that's the fatigue probably showing through a little bit and just sort of the lack of awareness and focus when you allow him to sort of fly in for that offensive board after the two Williams misses I mean there's a lot of things that certainly feel like they you know the game kind of tipped on and the Raptors were on the wrong side of every single one of those little um those those little fulcrums and that's you know it's just the Celtics are really good man and Jason Tatum was the best player in this series and in order to overcome the the talent golf which is not an enormous talent golf it's it's much bigger when pascal siakam's playing the way he did it's just there's only so many mental mistakes that you can afford and the margin of error was not there and i mean they they very well could have lost this game by much more considering the disparity In shot attempts and turnovers and just the way they played from the middle of the second quarter on. And I think it's, again, a testament to this team that they were able to keep it interesting into the final minute. Um, Last thing sort of on the game before we dive into Pascal Vivek, and we'll probably run long on this podcast, but it probably deserves it. Um, The... The the coaching from Nick Nurse. I, I thought this yeah. was sort of like a, a a weird Nurse game in that I, I thought his decision in the first quarter when things weren't going well for Pascal to take him and Gasol out for Serge and Norm. That was, I thought, a genius sort of deviation from his typical rotation pattern. Serge yeah. and Norm come in, provide great energy. The offense finds its flow. And I just, I thought it was a stroke of genius from Nurse. And then as the rest of the game kind of went on, it felt like he kind of started running out of, out of ideas a little bit. I mean, Gasol being a nothing really sort of, I think, Hampers the, the flexibility you have there, obviously, but he ran with the small lineup for basically the entirety of crunch time until Kyle fouled out that Ibaka came in. Did you agree with that decision? We saw, you know, still very good defensively like they were in game six, but m- like much of their run in game six as well until the second overtime, the offense just wasn't finding anything. Did you agree with Nurse's decision to stick small? Did you want to see something different out there? Maybe throw in a Baca. Um, you know, would you have taken out Siakam? I know, you know my whole stance all along throughout this series has been you can't pull Siakam and have a ceiling high enough to beat the Celtics. Maybe the, the defensive value was just neutralized by the fact that he was such a nothing on offense. I don't know. Like, what, what did you think of the way Nurse managed this one in terms of his rotation patterns?
3: Yeah, uh, just quickly, one thing I wanted to mention before I get into nurse is yeah. there were a couple of tired mistakes from Kyle as well, yeah. like a foul on smart, the reach-in. I mean, there were two seconds on the shot clock, yeah. and then you, you just put yourself in a bad situation by picking up your fifth on that. Uh, even the fourth foul that he picked up before that, that was another unnecessary reach-in um, off an offensive board, I believe, where you know he, he really had no reason to grab at Robert Williams. Robert Williams was looking to kick it back out. You know you can just play defense, so it's two you know uncharacteristic fouls that I don't think Kyle makes you know if he's if he's just one hundred percent and you know at, at his best physically because mm-hmm. uh, that's when it creeps into the mental and yeah going going to nurse again you know even going back to that second quarter when you think about that forty to thirty three uh Serge Ibaka's at the line, and all of a sudden you see Marcus all come in right and it's like why are you going to two bigs right now and yeah. Uh, it was a, it was a little stretch cuz ibaka just came, ibaka came out a couple plays later but things like that you know you, you're sort of wondering and then, and the other thing too is matt thomas worked really well in in, in that stretch so why not have him uh, try and have an impact in you know late third early fourth and to your point All plays 19 minutes and is a min- minus 19 yeah. How does Serge Ibaka you know, play 20 minutes when he's a positive? And so uh, I, I definitely think Serge deserved more time on the floor. Uh, obviously, they look to get get him out there in those screen and roll actions, uh, but I think when you look at the Raptors' offense in this game, I, th- I thought he was someone that uh, a few times they were able to sort of dump the ball down to him and he was able to get them a bucket. Uh, you, you know, he, he was being a pest on the offensive glass, he was, uh, you know, popping like he usually does off those picks. And so I thought for the offensive value that he provides I, in a game like this, I, I thought he could have seen more than 20 minutes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I Yeah, I, I didn't mind that Nick went small uh, uh, after the way it worked sort of in the overtime, but um, again, even when you're going small, you know, think think about what worked for you uh in the previous game right it was it was og setting screens for kyle lowry yeah and working off that and then all of a sudden now you've got you got og settings setting screens for fred so why are you changing that have fred play off the ball yeah because that's where he's at his best and then you know even certain half court sets guess what the way pascal is struggling norm might be your best initiator with you know with how fatigued kyle was yeah You know, so why aren't you using that? So those are the things where, you know, it it was almost as if Nick was just banking on Pascal to just come through at some point and he just wanted to, you know, show that he had Pascal's back where, you know, I think to your point, that first quarter when he showed the short leash for uh, Mark and Pascal, you know, that, that, that would have been a trend I would have liked to see continue the rest of the game. Uh, And, you know, who knows, maybe just constantly going with those short spurts for for different guys might have helped them keep uh, their energy levels up a bit more as well.
2: Yeah. Totally fair. It's also worth noting that um, you know to close out a wonderful playoff run, Og Ananobi was, I think, very visibly exhausted as well. Oh no, and maybe that's why they didn't have him screening and sort of playing nominal center the same way on offense. It's a lot. It, t- it takes a lot out of a guy to be setting screens, you know, two three times a possession. But um, you know, I, I, they just they ran out of gas, man. And yeah. it's it is what it is. I think we're going to get into a little bit later on in the final segment, you know, why, yes, it's a bummer, you know, the day after, but for the most part, it should not dampen at all. What was a wonderful season. And we'll dive into that. But first I want to dive into Pascal Siakam, who is uh, the topic du jour in Mm -hmm. not just Raptors internet, but everywhere. Uh, people talk about basketball. We're going to get to that in just a sec, but first I want to tell people about DoorDash. If you're a Toronto Raptors player, maybe you're getting home today, you're leaving the bubble, you're going home, but you don't want to cook when you're arriving. Most people don't want to cook. Cooking is a lot of work, especially on a weekend. DoorDash makes it so you do not have to cook. It is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia you can support your local go-to's or choose from your favorite chain national restaurants like Chipotle Wendy's the Cheesecake Factory and more I ordered from DoorDash on Popeye's or I ordered Popeye's on DoorDash last night and it was wonderful Many of your local favorite restaurants are still open for delivery as well. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left right at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities that they operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get five bucks off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Again, that's five bucks off and zero delivery fees in your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for five bucks off on your first order with DoorDash.
1: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96%
1: The meeting was canceled and your team will go home champions. Go to grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said done.
2: All right, big V Pascal Siakam, Uh, not good in this series. Uh, I believe it was a Kirk Goldsberry tweet today. uh, Just pointing out that he had the lowest three point percentage of anyone to take X number of threes in a series in NBA history right alongside uh, folks like Charles Barkley and uh, I believe Damian Lillard is on that list as well. Um, So a good company to be be in, I suppose. I don't know. Um, Obviously not what anybody wanted from Pascal. I think most of all Pascal, uh, from the bubble experience, just never quite found it. There were a couple games here and there against the Nets. I think he had a really good game against Memphis at one point. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, really inefficient, really indecisive. The defense was outstanding, so let's not – like cast such a dark cloud over his bubble because he was, I think, the best we've ever seen him on that end of the floor. But five turnovers in Game 7, just never really found any sort of comfort in this series. I think the Raptors could have done a better job of finding him comfort and looking for matchups that he could exploit as opposed to matchups that very clearly weren't working. But there was also it's a two-way street, and he did not really do anything in any opportunities where even when he had like a Kemba Walker on him, it still felt very laborious to get to the basket for him. And it was just... Not what you want to see. Obviously, this now brings to the, the brings us to the end of his first season as the de facto number one option. Obviously, it was not the number one option in the, in the postseason, the way Kyle really sort of took over. But uh, I don't know. It, it, what are your thoughts on Siakam today? Uh, first of all, let's get it out there. Anyone who uh, has any sort of uh, hatred or uh, like bullshit, Non basketball related opinions of Pascal, fuck off and don't listen to this podcast. We don't need you. Um, you know, there's criticizing performance and then there's getting into the personal bullshit, and uh, that sucks. And hopefully, uh, the people who listen to this podcast are not part of that faction. But I don't know, Vivek, like, obviously, I, I think it was a disappointment. That's an understatement. Where does Pascal go from here? How has your sort of opinion of him been altered by this experience? And Um, You know, what can we take from it considering the weird circumstances, the fact that he didn't touch a basketball for four months and comes into this sort of accelerated schedule. There was, you know, in theory, plenty of time for him to kind of iron things out and it never quite happened. But what are you left thinking about with Pascal today? Uh, So it was the two months,
3: right? March 11th to May 11th. Right. I believe that's when they opened up OVO and he was able to go work out there. Um, And Yeah, I think, you know, the way I look at it is this. The pandemic impacted different people in different ways. And so on one end of the spectrum, you had someone like a Luka Doncic who went from being an all-star to being an MVP caliber player. Mm -hmm. And, you know, back home where he was, the, the virus wasn't as serious. The restrictions were much looser. And he's able to work on his game and get up to that level. Pascal Siakam was cooped up in his Toronto condo, um, was able to, you know, get a makeshift gym going to keep himself in shape, which, you know, obviously th- that helped him uh, play the defense that he did, but obviously he lost some of his ball handling skills. He lost, uh, h- h- you know, the, just the overall zest that he had when he was going at people went facing up and that's a big part of his game. And, I thought the way people were able to poke the ball out of his hands consistently, the, you know, the lack of sharpness on his moves, I think that's something that, you know, needs consistent repetition. The three-point shot, I mean, obviously it it was atrocious. I I was down on the three-point shot more than others going into the playoffs anyway, uh, just because when I had done my own splits and looked at the numbers, he shot 40% from three against sub 500 teams and he had shot 29% from three against plus 500 teams. And so I thought there was something to that going into the postseason. So, you know, the shooting is definitely something that still needs to take strides. I think it's, you know, completely fair and clear to say that he is not a number one option at this point in his career, but uh, he's also in the fourth year of his career. Uh, he was drafted 27th overall and when he was drafted, the head coach at the time compared him to Bo Outlaw. <laughs> and those were the expectations. Can he be an energy guy that'll go up and down the floor and get you some boards? Mm-hmm. And so for him to do what he's done to this point in his career, um, I don't think there's anyone uh, with a clue about basketball that would say he hasn't given a ridiculous return on investment on his contract over the four year rookie scale. Some people or s- seem to have this idea, uh, this fake news that he's already into his max contract No, his max contract begins next year. And it's not really a max contract because it's a rookie max extension and there's a difference and you should probably look it up. And so I think he's going to take these l- lessons in stride. I think he's going to come back a much better player. Uh, come December or January whenever this season starts and I look forward to him spending some quality time with Rico Hines Uh and yeah I think he's the type of person you know I mean how does anyone question his work ethic yeah like this kid got sent down to the G League proved that he didn't belong there won a championship while doing it won the G League finals MVP was became a contributor to the bench mob and everyone was begging him to stop shooting threes. Cause he had that, you know, 20, 25 straight miss streak. (laughs) And he kept working at it and working at it and working at it. And you know, last year he sort of became a corner three shooter this year. He developed his shot from above the break and now he's got to go and look in the mirror and say, okay, I've got to get stronger on these drives. So I need some strength to my body. Uh, I've got to improve my handle. That's got to be better for sure. I've got to work on my jumper, uh, especially from the mid-range. I think that's so important yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in a playoff situation. We saw the value of that, right? And even, you know, and again, you go back to Pascal turning it over again and again in those fourth-quarter possessions. Uh, uh, why? Well, why do they keep going back to him? Well, Kyle Lowry was cl- clearly gassed. Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet, you know, it's feast or famine. Either he gets an open three. Or, you know, he, he's going to get rejected at the rim or throw up some wild shot at the rim. He's not a good finisher at the rim at, at this point in his career. And so uh, you're just sort of banking on every possession for Pascal to just sort of co- find a way to come through. And he wasn't able to do it. And I think this, you know, we, we just see the reality of the fact that Kawhi Leonard left and there was no financial flexibility to do anything. Mm-hmm. When Kawhi Leonard left, the Raptors announced that they signed Stanley Johnson. (laughs) And so everyone was pushed into these roles. And Pascal is going to take the criticism. And, you know, kudos to him for taking the blame the way he did in the press conference. I'm sure he's going to come back a better player. And, you know, uh, I firmly believe that as long as he, Fred, OG, and Nick Nurse are together, this franchise is going to be winning for a long time to come.
2: Yeah, I, I, he remains an incredible building block to have, especially next to OG. I know people's sort of opinions of OG have skyrocketed over the course of this series. And, you know, there's, I think, a, a taker out there or two where, you know, the suggestion is, hey, maybe OG's got a higher ceiling than Siakam. And if he does, great. That doesn't mean Siakam is bad or not worth the money he's going to may- be making over the course of this contract that, that kicks in next year. He is a really damn good player and he's already proven he can be like a 2 2.5 on a championship team. He's that's already the part that's pro- hilarious to me. Yeah, it's
3: ridiculous. The people, the people now that are like he can't be more than a third or fourth option on a championship team, did you yeah. not watch last year?
2: Well, clearly not. <laughs> like it's it's absurd. And he's he already just, proven he Yeah, he's already proven that he, you know, he's going to make all defense teams. I'm convinced of that as well. The, the work he did over the course of the bubble was really really impressive on that end. And, you know, this, okay, let's just go back to the start of the season. I feel like we might've done a podcast. We certainly did a podcast with Sahal and we're going to take up our over unders uh, later on next week and sort of take a look back on the season almost a year after we did them. Um, But, you know, the, 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 the going into last season or this season, whatever the fuck it is, the expectation I think was, or just sort of the assumption of what the season was, was all right, let's figure out, what Pascal Siakam is. Let's figure out what OG is. Let's figure out what Fred VanVleet is. I think that's been accomplished this season. Maybe there's some uncertainty as to the ceiling of Siakam now compared to what maybe people thought midway through this season. But if you had said at the start of the season, the Raptors are going to win 53 of their 74 games or whatever it is that they're going to play. They're going to make it to the second round, lose in a valiant seven games to a really good team. And you're going to have Pascal Siakam show that He, at least in the regular season for sure. And again, he's already proven he can get it done in the playoffs. Maybe not in the context in which he was asked to in this, in this setup of the team, but he can prove it. Like if you would have said that by the end of the year, it's like, you can feel pretty comfortable knowing that Siakam is maybe not a number one on a championship team, but he's a number two and all of the things that happened this year happened. You would have been absolutely thrilled and exactly. I believe I actually predicted at the start of the season they were going to lose valiantly in the second round to a very good team. Like it's gone exactly to script, but even more fun and exciting. And Mm -hmm. there were flourishes from Siakam that nobody expected earlier on in the season. Yes, there were growing pains. Yes, there were ups and downs. But there were enough highs over the course of the roller coaster that it was to really think like, okay, this is obviously a player who's worth that money they signed him to. It's going to be worth the bet. Even if he is a number two or a number three in a championship team, guess what? That's a max player. Draymond Green, like Chris Bosh, like all these guys, these are max players. You don't win unless you have a guy that good as your two or three. So if you have that squared away and you have OG Ananobi who's developing on a really nice curve and you potentially have Fred VanVleet, we'll talk about the, the contract stuff with him down the line. But like, you're, you're doing all right. You're, you're set up pretty well here. And the whole thing is, you know, 2021. That's where they go find the number one. That's always been the plan. Maybe they don't do it, but that's always been the plan. And there's no reason that plan should be altered or changed based on what the season has, has shown. And, you know, maybe they need to f- f- go harder after a number one option in that offseason because they know Pascal's not going to be that guy. But we also don't know Pascal is not going to be that guy. He is in his first year figuring this thing out. We've talked all through the bubble that the growing pains are to be expected. This is a guy who's the focus of defenses for the first time in his career. Last year, he was the beneficiary of Kawhi freaking Leonard being the focus of every defense, and that's obviously going to make your life easier. He did not perform well in the postseason by any means. But if you don't think he's going to improve from this, this is just where he's going to top out. And Or if you're like a dumbass like Bill Simmons and suggest he's Antoine Walker, like you're just wrong and haven't been paying attention to the Raptors' development, to Pascal's growth. This dude was a seven-point-a-game bench guy two years ago, and look at where he is now. Like He might not be the superstar everybody wants him to be, but that doesn't need to be what he – that's not what he has to be. Like, it's just – the conversation is quite exhausting and you can be both disappointed in how he played and also not completely write him off from being a valuable contributor to a very good team. Because literally as we just talked about, he has already done that very, very well, I might add. And so I don't know. It's just, I, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> At worst, he's a second or third option. And
3: that's still clearly worth the contract that he's got the four year old exactly. 30 mil. And there's no issues with that. And, yeah, he's been, it's it's not like they were, they were like, yeah, he is a number one option. It's like, no, we have this window to explore and have our players develop. Let's see if he can take to the role. It's trying to find out. It's not definitively saying that he is. That's not what the organization was doing. Yeah. They handed him the keys and said, hey, let's see what you can do, you know. And <laughs> guess what? They would have loved for Kawhi Leonard to stay, but he didn't. And so this is the hand that they were dealt. And this is the hand they're trying to play. And they played it as well as they could play it. If someone made me the CEO of a company tomorrow for no damn reason, just because I am the CEO doesn't mean I'm gonna suddenly make these amazing decisions. Mm -hmm. And, 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 And so you've got all these people, think about your work situation. If they put you in a position that you're not ready for, you expect to excel
2: at
3: it from day one? No, it's going to take some time.
2: Yeah, totally. It's. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping the discourse calms down a little bit. You know, it's it's always fresh right after a playoff loss, but um i i'm certainly not, not writing off pascal siakam going forward and uh you probably shouldn't either that seems like a pretty dumb thing to do considering his uh you know entire history in the nba uh we'll leave that there for now i'm sure there'll be plenty of pascal talk throughout the off season, however long it may be it might be <laughs> interminable we have no idea but we'll certainly talk about siakam and the next steps for him going forward. But uh, I I really want to dive into just sort of this season, big V to close things out. We'll do that in just a second. But first I want to tell people about built bar, which is the best tasting protein bar ever. Maybe you're recovering from a night of, uh, you know, substances after watching a game seven. I I can't be speaking from personal experience here. I I have no idea. It's just sort of coming off the top of my head. Uh, And maybe you need a little boost built bar can give that to you because they're delicious and healthy for you as well. And they've got 18 amazing flavors for you to try, including six new flavors, including caramel brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Bar, sea, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. I know Big V is a big fan of Built Bars and you should be too. They've also got their complement of 12 original flavors. They've got Toffee Almond, they've got Salted Caramel, they've got Banana Bread, which is so, so good. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew as well. And as I mentioned, they're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets as well. You've got the peanut butter, for example. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs, or the brand new cookies and creams, 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. They are healthy, they're tasty, they're wonderful. Built Bar kicks ass. Uh, They also have a wonderful offer right now where you can get a free cooler with your purchase at BuiltBar.com while supplies last. That's not going to last very long, so make sure you're getting on that right away go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on and you're going to get 10 bucks off your next order along with that cooler use the promo code locked on for 10 bucks off at builtbar.com
1: Wilson you sent the game winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly an AI writing partner that helped me make my point point. and it works everywhere I write summarizing a doc only took one click when everyone uses Grammarly Everything just makes sense.
1: Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
2: All right, Big V, we're running long here, um, but let's sort of dive into just the contextualization of this season for the Raptors. Obviously, it was amazing. Weird and disjointed because of the global pandemic, but on the whole, in terms of the basketball played and the stories that unfolded, truly an all-time Pantheon Raptors season. Maybe the title season stands out to you as being the best Raptors season. That would totally be justifiable considering they won the title. There are other great seasons in there as well, but I don't know about you, man. I can't really put any other seasons above this one, just in terms of the pure joy that came out of watching it every single night. Are you with me on that? Do you have another season that maybe is like a dark horse to be your number one? I just, this was such a treat of a year, such a surprise of a year. You know, it was a year that potentially could have seen the franchise player, the best player of all time traded if things had gone differently. Instead, they win, they have the second best record in the league. They win 50 plus games in a shortened season, continuing that streak now to five years. It's just, it's all been amazing.
3: It's been incredible. Yeah. I mean, like there's obviously the pure joy of the championship moments that, never really be topped I feel but in terms of a whole season and the entertainment value uh, and just how fun it was to cheer for these guys and all the fun moments off the court like you think about you know Norm and Rondé with the I'm not your child and OG (laughs) and Serge Ibaka with the scarves Uh, you know Kyle with that random crazy postgame interview where we still haven't figured out who he was trying to impersonate. (laughs) And there were just so many of these little moments uh, that made this season so special. So yeah, man, I'm totally with you. This was beyond, I think anyone's expectations. I don't, uh, yeah, I I don't know how many people would have had them being this good this quickly. And again, a big part of that was Pascal stepping up to the plate, Kyle Lowry coming back to, uh, you know, his regular usage and being able to dictate things a bit more and not catering to Kawhi. And Serge was awesome. All year OG showed real growth. Fred stepped into the starting role. Norm Powell was consistent. Just so much to enjoy. Terrence Davis had so many moments to enjoy. Um, yeah. the I mean, that game uh, in Los Angeles against the Lakers. Yeah. Chris Boucher's moments. Yeah. There, there was just so much fun and just the way everyone was rooting for each other. It was such a great team vibe and yeah, it's going to be unforgettable for me. Um, it, it, it sucks. Like Kyle said, you know, you, you've, you genuinely knew that they had more to give and w- w- along with what nurse said, you know, it would have been amazing if they could have won one more game to buy themselves more time to find their best basketball. And yeah. It's a shame that that never came to fruition, but that doesn't mean that we can't recognize what we saw over the 64 regular season games and 11 playoff games.
2: Yeah, it was... um, I mean, just think about how spoiled Raptors fans were this year with just the number, the volume of games that stand out in the memory. Like, most teams just kind of coast through the regular season... Yeah, there'll be a couple close, fun games here and there, but it felt like it was probably a symptom of just the number of injuries and the number of surprising performances that had to come out of those. But just there were so many games that wrapped up, and you're thinking, "Damn, that like might have been the best game of the regular season," and that happened like three times a week. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like it just it seemed like seventy percent of the games they played this season, pretty much every game that wasn't against like a team of scrubs, and even sometimes against those teams of scrubs. There was something to remember from it whether it's the the lakers game and then that clippers game that followed where they almost won on the second Mm -hmm. back-to-back whether it was ring night whether it was the game in new orleans when kyle and serge go down and fred and pascal both go off i believe both setting career highs in that same game you have the the winning streak they won 15 fucking games in a row this year (laughs) like it's insane they like the 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 game to extend the winning streak to 12 against the pacers with like the comeback from down 10 with under two minutes to go the 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 jazz game just before the end you had the denver game they lose but og plays like one of the most sensational defensive games you've ever seen from a raptor ever it's just it was such a wonderful year and i think the thing that made it all so like that puts it above for me in any other season is the fact that it was really the year where kyle kind of i think earned his flowers in a way that he just hasn't before yeah He's now i think just the conversation even after just this series yeah, He's a Hall of Famer, and it, there seems to be very little disagreement about that. He has cemented that. He, For me, yes, Kawhi's season last year is technically probably the best season our Raptors ever played, but this, there, no one has played a season that I've enjoyed more wholly than Kyle this year. Just the, the number of games where he kind of just put the team on his back like it was 2015 again and kind of rediscovering that form and the defense he played. He should be on an all-defense team. I'm sorry, Patrick Beverly, but Kyle should have been there. He, you know, it was just a a wonderful, surprising, and really affirming season for Kyle that I'm so thankful we got to see. Hopefully he's back next year to run it back again. Like, I don't see at this point why he wouldn't be. We'll get into that as we talk about offseason stuff as well. But uh, I just, having Kyle sort of be the star of this team Despite Pascal being the leading scorer and sort of the sexy headline getter, and you know, frankly, it might be the all NBA guy over Kyle, which I think is an egregious mistake. But just to see Kyle have that season where everyone just kind of got it, and after years of kind of being this misunderstood, slept on guy who drives winning better than pretty much anybody else in the league, for him to finally get that recognition from just about everybody was one of the most satisfying things of this season for me.
3: Yeah, no question, man. It was. It was a privilege to watch him play basketball. I mean, it's been, it's been a privilege since he's been here. And I think, I think it's just been fun to see the people who haven't been paying attention finally give him his due and finally recognize it. Because he deserves it, right? And uh, I think that stuff kind of matters when it comes to eventually getting into the Hall of Fame and just that overall public perception and so to have this series where he just went off and dragged the team to a game seven, I thought, uh, you know, there's, there's not much more you can say about Kyle Lowry. He's so much more than just the heart and soul of this team and this franchise. I mean, he's clearly the best player. Uh, and I genuinely think he's got another couple of years of, of this level in him. Um, Cause I think he takes care of his body so, so well. He's so damn smart. I mean, that IQ alone is gonna, you know, let it let him carry his career uh, into the sunset, pretty pretty glowingly. And so, uh, yeah. It, it, again, it's a, it's a shame that you know, in in some ways they they had they dragged him. Uh, he dragged them into Game Seven. It would have been amazing if they could have carried him through Game Seven. To get to the conference finals but it is what it is and uh yeah i'm glad i'm glad that he's getting his shine anyway
2: yeah and i mean two of the games he played in this series games um i mean i guess games three four and six are all-time kyle games but i think in particular two and or three and six are just like pantheon level lowry over everything games which i'm glad we got more of those man (laughs) it's not something we got a ton of during the championship season outside of you know, the game one against the Bucks, and then obviously game six of the finals, you know, and he had his, he was excellent throughout the entire run. Let's not get that twisted, but for him to have those games where it really is just like, you get to fawn over Kyle Lowry for an entire day, the day after, because of what he did. That's like, again, I've made this point plenty of times, and it's the reason I will always be against blowing it up and tanking. It's not about just winning a title every year, man. There are plenty of wonderful memories to be made along the way even if you're going to go out in the second round and the raptors certainly showed exactly why that is the case this year and i don't think anyone can be upset with the way things played out the the end results not what you want obviously but you got some all-time raptors playoff moments that of you know even with the nets series being kind of a wash it didn't matter you still had that 100 points from the bench in the, in the sweep game and you had Obviously the three wins in this series and getting it down to the wire in game seven, it's why you watch sports. This entire Raptors season was why you watch sports or why you should watch sports, you know, you can tie yourself to a title and have it be rings or nothing, and then set yourself up to be miserable 90% of the time, 95, 99, hundred percent of the time, depending on what franchise you root for, Mm -hmm. or you can choose to really just sort of immerse yourself in the joy of a regular season and a playoff run that maybe is not going all the way. And I think this Raptors team exemplified exactly like the the peak of being a sports fan and what it is all about. And I'm getting sappy now and we should probably wrap this up, but it's just uh, I could talk about this team for months and months. And guess what? We're going to do that because there is uh, plenty of time now to cover. We have no idea when the next season is going to begin. The draft isn't for another two plus months. We'll be diving into uh, many, many elements of what is to come for the Toronto Raptors here on this podcast, of course, including on Monday with Blake Murphy, who's going to jump on for the first time in a while. We're going to tee up the offseason a little bit. Um, in the meantime, Vivek, thanks so much for coming on, man. Do you have anything you would like to promote? Any parting shots?
3: Uh, I did sort of a final look back on what the Raptors were this season. And, uh, just you know, there were so many questions on what this team would be about Kawhi, and I think the biggest thing that I learned is, you know, there there is a tangible value to the intangibles of winning a championship, and that's what we saw over the course of this season. Yeah, all, all the times that they were written off, all the times, all the games that they shouldn't have won that they won, um, that's 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 what showed itself in all those games, and that's something that I look forward to carrying over uh, as they continue to continue their quest to find to find a way to win another title uh, so yeah you, you can read that um, besides that yeah I'll get into some offseason stuff later for complex for Raptors Republic and besides that you can follow me on Twitter at the
2: Highly recommend that. Of course, as always, Big V, your work this year has been unbelievable. You've, you've really, uh, you're kicking ass and it's wonderful to see. Very thankful that you stoop down to my level once or twice a week and podcast with me. It's, it's wonderful. So I appreciate you. Um, and, you know, I, I, just, I guess, you know, it always feels weird to like act as though everyone's dying at the end of a season and like thanking people and stuff, but it's thank you to every listener who's listened to this podcast and stuck with us through the pandemic and everything. You, you mean a ton. It's uh, it's the best part about my day every single day is doing this podcast. So thank you for being a listener and a supporter out there. You are the very, very best. Um, last w- quick question for you, Big V. I've been thinking about this and it's a really uh, troublesome question because there's probably no right answer, but Who are you rooting for to win now? Because I'm assuming the Nuggets are going to get snuffed out by the Clippers at some point here. Maybe not. They're insane and they like to be down 3 1 to have dramatic comebacks. But like LA, LA, Miami, Boston, it's pretty heinous Final Four, if you're asking me, in terms of like rooting interests. There's like, yes, there's the Kawhi thing, but also there's the I don't want to see Kawhi win thing. The Lakers, obviously uh are the Lakers but also LeBron winning a title would be cool again and then you have like the Heat and Celtics who I certainly will not be putting my support behind uh where are you at in terms of rooting interest for the remainder of the playoffs is it just as much as hoping the Nuggets pull off a miracle
3: <laughs> yeah that would, that would be awesome if the nuggets can win the title and Jamal Murray can win a win championship and bring the Larry will be back to Canada that would be <laughs> that would be slow. uh But barring that, I think I'm stuck rooting for the Lakers.
2: Yeah, it's so gross. It's the only right answer.
3: Because usually, you know, on some level, I'd like to say, you know, say, for example, the team that beats the Raptors, if they go on to win the title, at least you can say you lost the champs. (laughs) But that's not something I'm rooting for in this scenario. No. Because it's the Celtics.
2: No. (laughs) Um, And yeah, don't particularly care for the heat Uh, If I hear fucking heat culture talked about one more time I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) scream And yeah, the Clippers I
3: mean, I will never be mad about Kawhi winning a title But I would also like for it to end in defeat for him And him to sort of just sit there and think Huh, maybe I messed up and, uh yeah, I, I, I definitely root for LeBron to do well. Um I think that finals record takes a bit too much of a, a bashing. I think he's been incredible for the game, both on and off the court. And so, yeah, I, just, I, I think it'd be really cool if he got another
2: title. Yeah. Stuck here rooting for the Lakers. What a goddamn... And Danny. We love Danny. I love Danny. So love Danny. Danny doesn't love uh, playing good basketball, but we love Danny nonetheless. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, man, this was great. Thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast as always. Everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Always very much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. And uh, without further ado, we'll get you the hell out of here. We'll be back again on Monday with Blake Murphy, blog dad. Jumping on the podcast, the tee up, the off season. It will be very informative. Blake will have spreadsheets, I'm sure, that he'll be using as reference. That's why we bring him on the podcast, because I am very bad at Google Sheets or Excel, and Blake is not. We'll talk to him on Monday. We'll talk to you on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll talk to you then with another episode of Locked On Raptors.